0: Hello and welcome to BJGP Interviews. My name is Ewan Lawson. In this episode we have Professor Adrian Edwards who is Professor of General Practice and Director of Prime Centre Wales and Director of Wales COVID-19 Evidence Centre at Cardiff University. Uh, The paper is Managing Lower Urinary Tract Symptoms in Primary Care, Qualitative Study of GPs and Patient Experiences. So we know that lower urinary tract symptoms, LUTs, in males can usually be treated effectively in primary care, but we are seeing increasing referrals to urology services. This study aimed to explore GP's experiences of diagnosing and managing LUTs, as well as patients' experiences and preferences for treatment. I asked Adrian to tell us a little bit more about the background to this study.
1: Thanks, Ewan. Well, I think that the why is that we think uh, there are challenges to managing men's lower urinary retract symptoms in general practice. And the witness to that is that referral rates have gone up, particularly over the last five years, gone up at least 20%. So since NICE produced their guideline in 2015, it has not unfortunately had the intended effect, which is to help us to manage in primary care. Referral rates have gone up, so that you know when we multiply that across the country, there is a big cost impact as well as the impact on quality of life of people in primary care and workload in primary care. So that's the problem uh, that we're trying to solve uh, or assist at least, and. Where, where this study fits in, it's part of a larger study, which is funded by the HTA program, which is to understand uh, what's going on in terms of male ur- lower urinary tract symptom management, but then to develop a clinical decision support tool to assist GPs in managing the condition with men. in in primary care settings. So that's a four-year study, started off with one and a half million pounds in 2017. So it's a substantial study to collect um, uh, a range of data about uh, men presenting and the types of symptoms, and then to do some investigations and to cross-reference those with the gold standard, which is urodynamics, to see what we can do about predicting the type of conditions, the diagnoses, i.e. detrusor, overactivity and underactivity and bladder outlet obstruction, can we predict those from the symptoms and the signs and some simple tests in primary care and then to make that
0: into a clinical decision support tool to support primary care. Okay so that sounds like a big interesting study. We'll come back to we'll, we'll hopefully we'll hear more about that in the future when you get through that. But let's come back to this one a little bit today. And this one was more about exploring GPs and patients' men's yeah. experiences of diagnosing and managing luts. Perhaps you could tell us a little bit more about what you did for this one and feel free to get straight onto what kind of what you found.
1: Okay, yeah, well, thanks. Well, we think one of the strengths of it is we actually did interview both GPs and patients. There aren't many studies out there that have done that, uh, but we wanted to examine it from both perspectives. And because it's perspectives, we wanted to uh, use qualitative methods, some interviews, and we've recorded them and then we've analyzed them with uh, a framework analysis. And, and that's helped us to understand what's going on, the problems, and also some ideas about potential solutions. So, uh, number one, you know, it is a common situation Um we, we reckon probably you know, well over 20% of men, probably up to 40% of men will experience the problems and uh, part of the context here is about not just attributing it as normal aging. You know, there is a problem, albeit it's you know, relatively less impactful, you know, people aren't developing major complications on the whole or dying of it. So it's kind of lower down the priority list, both for patients and GPs. One of the issues is that you know it has relatively hidden away over the last year. When there are other pressures going on, more important issues, as well as difficulty with accessing health services, et cetera, this is one of the situations that's gone into the background. Anyhow, it's there. It's common. And what we've found is that um, there are really... Um, uh, Rather ineffective um, management strategies happening at the moment. You mentioned, you know, increasing referral rates, which reflects a number of things, and, you know, patient expectations, and GP confidence and um, intended outcomes. But when the, when the lower urinary tract symptoms are managed in primary care, what we found was no single man reported that his symptoms were completely managed. So even at the best of times, it's suboptimal. And when it comes to medications, there were quite common side effects of it. And as well as the men's perspective, the GP's perspective was that, you know, they, they were uh, finding it difficult. There was you know, confidence issues in terms of making a diagnosis, distinguishing bladder from prostate problems and deciding on appropriate management, whether that's conservative in primary care or uh, referral, etc. So you know, quite quite a lot of difficulties of... Identifying the right ways forward, and in the context of which, although I say you know it is a common condition, affects most men most of the time. In the end, actually, what the GPs are finding is it's you know, it's kind of of the order of one or two patients a month, and so it's just not that common to be you know a regular thing that we get a feel for and do. Uh, do well and with confidence so we're sort of you know uh, a bit uncertain and and looking for a bit of help with
0: this yeah it's in difficult ground isn't it Lutz, i think for that reason because as you say it's incredibly common and uh, a lot of men experiencing difficulties but not quite common enough for gps to build that real kind of confidence and slickness and kind of feeling that they can manage this really s- smoothly i thought it was that was one of the main themes that was quite striking in the paper that that, that came out as first was that unresolved symptoms, as you mentioned there, that actually, despite what we are doing and how we are managing it, most men are just simply going on with symptoms, and we're not getting there. Not getting. They're not. They are just persisting.
1: Yet yeah, persisting, and then I think there's dissatisfaction and impact on quality of life, and then I say quite a lot of men are actually not coming back to the doctor and just putting up with it, and may or may not be continuing with their treatment. And- making their own decisions that that's fine but but also sometimes then coming back probably to the to primary care and reflecting that dissatisfaction and, pr- and frustration and then it leads to you know okay what happens next and the temptation is to lead to referrals for further investigation which is fair enough we want to get to the bottom of it and say the gold standard investigation would be eurodynamics but clearly with a large number of referrals happening that means waiting lists with the best will in the world and so the question of our study is, can we identify a way of predicting those men who've got bladder or prostate problems accordingly, and to clarify a diagnosis from simple things in primary care, say the demographics, the symptoms, some scoring charts like the ICIQ, etc., the degree of bother, and maybe some simple tests like measuring flow rates, which we can do in the community, and the bladder diary. You know, how many times day and night for three days does it happen? If, if we can get some simple information like that and plug it into an algorithm, which we could then present as a clinical decision support tool, that's the aim of our study and the, the aim to support practice.
0: Yeah. Well, and one of the things we should say, though, is that um, although we, there's been this increase in referral, there was one of the themes that you did find from this study was that preference for primary care.
1: Yes. Yeah. Very much so. So, with or without the sort of waiting times, I think there's still a lot of high regard for primary care management, and it comes down. I mean, some of it's accessibility, you know, and it's clearly local rather than going to the hospital. Um, But actually, the more positive uh, aspect of that is it is about the relationship and the continuity, and the fact that uh, you know there's a feeling that the, the doctor does generally know your situation and at least has got access to the records to be able to pick out the recent uh, events and episodes so that the the strengths of the continuity to be able to um, build a picture um, and it actually leads into what we're really keen to see reflected in this eventually in practice is shared decision making and uh, yes the tool could be a support to shared decision making in practice and and I think probably what the patients are actually reflecting is there's greater support and um, empathy for that in general practice that the idea of understanding what's important to the patient and, and making a decision in that context that's the nub or shared decision making and I think they're reflecting they're getting more of that in primary care so there is satisfaction with primary care
0: one of the really interesting aspects i thought in your paper and you didn't this was not the primary aim but is that kind of interface with prostate cancer and luts as well and almost uh, it, this, the the kind of urinary symptoms in men prostate cancer is almost overwhelms the narrative completely and actually although we've mentioned there that a lot of people a lot of men have unresolved symptoms Actually, I think this comes out a little, a little in the paper that in fact they're not too dissatisfied necessarily because they're just pleased not to have prostate cancer because it so dominates the narrative.
1: Yes, you're right. So yes, it dominates or overwhelms it, Um, or indeed it's conflated a bit, isn't it? the issue of benign lower urinary tract symptoms and prostate cancer in in everybody's minds, I think probably including clinicians, there's this worry, um, and and then then what to do about it. And as you say, that maybe is part of the explanation why men may just go away and put up with things, because at least one thing has been uh, put to one side, which is the you know, potential for prostate cancer with some simple investigations. And so as you say, that's, that's sort of part of the, the context, clearly, of what's going on here. And, and, and relating to that then is kind of who stimulated uh, those consultations with worries about prostate cancer, and as we know, uh, a lot of it is press-driven, and uh, we could probably name one or two um, newspaper titles uh, readily that seem to pro- crop up quite commonly. Um, in, in stimulating this interest, and and then also, you know, even within the household, who has actually led to this guy presenting in in front of us? And often it, it appears it's actually uh, that the gentleman's partner, uh, shall we say, who's you know who's you know become more aware, read stuff, and has prompted him to go and uh, be assessed in primary care. So yes, there's clearly that. That domain of interest needs to be done, and one of the um, first things that actually happens in our study is you know, confirming from examination and a PSA test, okay, we don't think that's the issue, and yes, we are in the business of exploring and trying to clarify the nature of the lower urinary tract symptoms.
0: Can I, can I get you to summarise maybe the key findings? and perhaps maybe what with GPs? Obviously, we've got this diagnostic accuracy diagnostic tool hopefully coming in the future. What would you encourage GPs to do now, particularly to help manage LUTS and to to move some of these things forward?
1: Okay, well I think um, yes, we want to be clear in our minds about distinguishing prostate cancer from lower urinary tract symptoms. As we know, prostate cancer itself does not usually uh, present with symptoms of those of that nature. So if we're clear in our minds, you know, there are two different areas. If we have largely uh, excluded or um, considered the risk of prostate cancer and and we're not concerned about that, then we can focus on lower urinary tract symptoms and and actually manage that with a reasonable degree of of confidence in in primary care. Hopefully, for the time being, we can consider whether it's more likely bladder overactivity or underactivity symptoms or perhaps bladder uh, outlet obstruction and prostate uh, related symptoms. But then basically, I think for the moment, if we actually uh, remind ourselves about the NICE guideline, there is a simple flow chart, which identifies uh, you know uh, a pathway through it. And say, yes, you know for, for bladder outlet obstruction symptoms, maybe we can go with the relevant symptoms, alpha blockers and, and 5-HT inhibitors, or for uh, bladder overactivity symptoms, particularly uh, anticholinergics, etc. So I think we can do the basics. And yes, if we've tried a couple of things and it's uh, inadequate, then we've still got the option of referral. So that's where we are at the moment, and I think we actually can uh, do that with a reasonable degree of confidence and safety. And hopefully we can help that some more in the near future, like you say, when we actually get the clinical decision support tool, which is currently called PRIMUS, Primary Care Management of Urine Retract Symptoms. Um, Hopefully that will be available uh, in the near future once our study concludes.
0: That's tremendously helpful. Adrian, thank you very much for taking the time today.
1: It's a pleasure. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much for listening to this BJGP podcast. The original research papers and articles can be found at bjgp.org. The show notes and podcast audio can be found at bjgplife.org. Com. Do share if you've enjoyed it. Subscribe via all the usual places, including Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or your podcaster of choice. Thanks again.